0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the movement is medicine podcast. This is Kevin Carr, your host, joined live and in person for the first time ever by my wonderful co-host, Brendan Rurick. Brendan, how are you today? Cheers, Mr. Kevin. Cheers. We we finally did it. Live in studio. Live in studio. What's going on? I'm just trying to soak this up because we don't know when we'll be live in studio again together. But we had to seize the moment for the holidays this week. Probably not another year. Yeah, probably next year we'll be back. So, um, no, I'm doing great. Uh, We had a good couple holiday weeks here. uh, Christmas and New Year's. We got to spend some time together, have a nice little party. And uh, it's been nice to be able to see you and Jenny and Rain this week. I know, I got to meet Kendall the first time. The smiliest baby on... It's been very yes yes except for the teething moments she's been very very good but hopefully I, was, I don't have to be here for those yeah uh, but no it's <laughs> been good and we just got back to work here for the winter session at Mike Wilson's condition this week it's very busy probably as busy as I've ever seen the gym so that's good comes with its own set than problems before COVID? yes oh wow. we're, we we right. had the best I think talking to Steve um, as they looked at the numbers to close the year probably the best like last three or four months. That we've had just because I think we've had a lot of new adult clients, Mm -hmm. we've had more athlete clients, especially at our Middleton facility. It's been very, very busy. I know actually Diane was there this morning. I talked to her today. She said it was very busy uh, working out there today. So it's been good. And now we have all these soccer kids and um, hockey kids in season. So it's busy. It's good. Awesome and how are things that uh, train smarter and harder oh you know
1: we're still grinding out in the uh the garage gym we are looking at uh opening a space so that's fingers crossed that is something that happens in the next in q1 maybe yeah um we're working with the the landlord who's also the architect of the building and seeing if we can build it out to our specs and what type of business we want to run there so if not We'll keep it in the garage and continue to work out of there and do all the other (laughs) educational stuff on the side. Um, But we do have the opportunity to maybe open a space. And I was telling you, um, we talked about this last week, we are talking about doing a hybrid of a training gym. So train smarter and harder would be the group training and personal training. And the other part of the gym would actually be a 24 hour fitness, um, which I don't know anybody who has operated a 24 hour fitness facility, but uh, the landlord likes the idea of it and he's interested in investing. So we are pursuing that idea. So we've been actually talking to a lot of people who run these 24 hour fitness oh. gyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, the liability is not as much as you think it would be actually.
0: No uh, one's You might not like lose your house. If someone no, gets pinned under a barbell no. at like, two in the morning.
1: And you know what it is, is if you pick the right equipment, so actually it has a lot to do with equipment, which I didn't understand. So if you've ever been to a planet fitness, mm-hmm. they only have Smith machines because the likeliness of getting hurt in a Smith machine is very, very low. They don't have any free standing weights other than dumbbells. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so i was thinking well we could just make a rule where you always have to lift with a crash bar so if mm-hmm. there's uh you're always lifting in a rack with crash bars yeah. um, then theoretically the likeliness of being injured are very low and because you have cameras you have uh, like life alert lanyards mm-hmm. uh these in the the check-in system is so elaborate and there's so much technology that the liability is actually lower than you would think it would be which it- i never knew until i started um, we basically hired a bunch of mentors Mm -hmm. um and just looked for people around america who are running 24-hour fitness gyms that uh some private and some as part of the like the big licensing companies like in any time or um and there's pros and cons to both so Mm
0: -hmm. it's very interesting and so you guys were thinking about opening a gym prior to COVID, right, yeah. a, a standalone facility. And then luckily the timing, you were able to shift and open in your own garage and you've had a successful personal training business in there. Mm-hmm. Has your vision of the business changed from what you kind of had a plan prior to COVID to what you have now? And how has that kind of like affected your approach?
1: Uh, so the difference between, so to give everyone a little context, we were gonna open a 3000 square foot facility Uh, that looked very similar to Mike Boyle's training conditioning. So your half of it is turf and half of it is is weight room. Um, That was pre-COVID. Luckily, we never signed a lease. And like you said, we opened it in our garage. So we basically had a mini Mike Boyle's in our garage, 300 square feet, where we only do personal training or couples or max three people at a time. And so this time around we're only going to take 2000 square feet. So we're actually going to go smaller and then we're going to do the pods. So it'll be four racks with platforms mm-hmm. on one side and then four racks with platforms on the other with three or four lanes of turf right down the middle. So essentially everybody gets their own rack. So we mm-hmm. only run groups. So all our adult groups will be eight people. Yep. So each person gets their own rack and their own dumbbell set or power blocks. They get their own Kaiser they get their own, whatever, everything. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to share. And you basically get that square or block, that nine by nine space for the entire hour, similar to mm-hmm. kind of what Boyles does now. Yeah. With a few uh, new exceptions. Um, and then athlete groups will do two people per platform. Okay. So we can get 16 in, in an athlete yeah.
0: group, which uh, is running adults and athletes are a little bit different. So. Yeah. With the athletes, you can say, Hey, you go do your cleans, you do a front plank with the adults. Exactly. They kind of like their space, they like
1: their space, yeah. and they need a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say hand holding just but more instruction, and they don't move as quick. Yep, um, but also the athlete groups are going to be 75 minutes, the adult groups are going to be 60 minutes. So we just i can pack more people in mm-hmm. with 16, and just we have more time, yeah, okay. Also, there's going to be no cardio equipment, because that cardio equipment is all going to live in the 24-7 space. Yeah. So uh, having access to our space also included, it's, we're going to say it's free, nothing yeah. is free, but you also have access to the 24-7 gym. So I can say, hey, uh, when you're done, go ride the bike or go run on the treadmill yeah. or the elliptical or whatever we have in the 24-7 space. So they essentially have, there's going to be two-door access. So you have a fob or your phone, and you bring it to the the door reader. Yeah, it lets you in, and only you can only come into our our space with the eight by eights if you have an appointment with us. Yeah. you're you have in a group. You're um, signed up for a group, and you have a membership with us. So if you don't, then you're you're using twenty four seven space, which will be about thirty five hundred square feet. Mm-hmm. So that'll actually be bigger, but I can keep a bunch of equipment in that space that everybody can use that doesn't get used that often mm-hmm. uh and then just make our space pretty much just weights kaisers and
0: um speed stuff yeah cuz you think the biggest space sucker is typically equipment like cardio equipment treadmills <laughs> like the amount of space all our wood waste take our bikes take that thing's huge and that's something that you could say hey you can go on the other side and do that on your own and then that you can get two for one out of that equipment. And you're surprised when you say 2000 square foot, it's funny when people come to MBSC, they always say like, Oh, I wish I, I wish I could, you know, get a space this big. I'm like, do you? Cause you know how much yeah, it costs yeah. <laughs> you and know? you can get a lot done. If you follow like that pod system, like thrive and like what we do at MBSC, the kind of the way we've always trained is the amount of work you can get done in a small amount of space. If it's organized correctly, yeah. is pretty amazing. Like I actually just looked at there. There's a thrive gym going in not too far away in Concord, mass the throw club. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Brian's here, She's the fitness director there thrive guy. Um, and they dedicated uh, probably about that much space to thrive. And I first saw the picture, I'm like, Oh, it's kind of small. And he sent me the pictures today. Now that the equipment's in, I'm like, Oh, you could run eight person adult groups in here. Cause it's organized. Well, Hey, this is where you squat. This is where you do your rows. This is where you do push ups, mm-hmm. and same thing. They have a health club. So then he can say, okay, now go out
2: oh, and yeah.
0: you can do your conditioning. Um, but same thing, they're running appointment-based or group-based training yep. through the Thrive model in that space. It's exactly kind of similar to what you described. They're not 24 hours, but um, you can get a lot of done. In that allows you to charge a premium. Mm-hmm. It allows you to provide a premium product to the people that are going to buy it, but then provide the you know normal silver product. Membership. Yeah, so whatever yeah. you want to call it, platinum
1: versus silver. Yeah. That's how I'm looking at it. Is you've got your platinum membership is $2.99 a month you have class options at these times Mm -hmm. also when, so for example, Jenny and I travel a lot when we're away for a week, you could theoretically uh, go into our space and still sign in and still have access to it, even though we're not there and go grab your program and do your workout. And because I'm going to have the cameras also set up in our space it's, it's, it becomes a 24-7 space when we're away for the week. Yeah. So you can't say that we didn't provide you <laughs> with training. We didn't provide you with the equipment. So, yes, no, we are not there. Uh, and I don't know how I'll run that yet. But the idea being that, like, we can step away and you still have access to the gym. It's not like we're leaving you uh, hanging high and dry.
0: Yeah, and it's this hybrid model, that you actually, you know, haven't heard a lot of people talk about yet, because no. it's interesting when COVID happened, everyone thought it was going to go hybrid and online training, right? Online training and in-person training, that online training was going to eat up a lot of that, but you've kind of looked in a different direction and said, how can I provide multiple price points and options to people in a brick and mortar facility mm-hmm. um, where you don't have to be fully dependent on one-on-one training or uh, personalized training, But you have that option. And I think that's probably when you look at fitness and consumers, they say it's broken down into a bunch of different groups, people who aren't interested at all, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: people who are indifferent. The largest group, like 63% are what you call uninitiated believers. Those are people who you can convert. And then there's your diehards. Mm -hmm. So you figure, like, you're not going to get the first group at all, the people who don't believe it. You cut them off the list. I think that's, like, around 17%. Then you have your... Um, In different people, you're probably not going to get most of them. But you have 63% of people who will probably do the 24-hour gym. Right. If you can convert them and say, this is a place for you, Mm -hmm. where you can be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Convert a certain amount of those to training. Then you have people who are diehards who will definitely do training. And that's probably equally, I think that's also around like uh, 18%, right? Yeah. And so you end up giving yourself a large population of people that you could potentially work with, right? Right. Um, And you have price points that can... Get them in the door sure, yeah. because they say the reason most people don't join a gym is um price and time those are both modifiable yep. time becomes less a problem if they have a 24 hour option right yeah because you just doubled the amount of time they probably have access to your services than if you're just doing training
2: yeah
0: um price they can have two different price points
1: mm-hmm.
0: also the value of what they spend it also depends in, on what they believe in.
1: But like you said, you can make as many price points as you want. As you want, right. Like I could even regulate it where it's like, you can only come in twice a week with your yeah. membership, yeah. right? Like yeah. you can, the cool stuff about the way tech is now yeah. and the way the door readers integrate into the software yeah. is you have, you can manage and make a, what's the word I want to use? Barriers? Yeah guardrails for any situation that you want um, or any price point that you
0: want. Yeah. And I also say when people say price is an issue, price is uh, dictated by what they see as value. Right. And so typically the consumer might look and say, this isn't worth it until they come and do it. Yeah. And then what is worth that amount of money changes to them. Like, for instance, I've seen a guy who I've been training for a long period of time and he he does he jumps from like startups to startups. He's a like COO. He goes to different businesses. Okay. And the one he's with now is going through a really tough time. So they actually hadn't paid him in six months, right? Okay. Yeah, they haven't paid him in six months. Right. Probably not legal. Um, and he's <laughs> looking for a different option. Um, but what he said to me, he goes, he said, five years ago, this would have been the first thing that I cut out. Because I thought of it as like a luxury. Luxury. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the way that it's, impacted my life and the way that it's changed my views on fitness. Now it's a priority and I cut out other things that I spend on. Now that's not going to be everybody. I know people's financial situations are different. Training generally in a lot of people's dot mind is a luxury, but um, I think that you provide a good enough service that some people would say that barrier, the price is too high comes down, especially if you have multiple options, right. like you said. So you, I think you make yourself more nimble as a business when you have those different options you for people to consume options.
1: it. You have more options. Um, and it's funny too, is like we talked to many twenty four seven fitness owners, and they said, "Yeah, everyone, everyone loves the idea of like the twenty four hours mm-hmm. and it just being an option." But most people come at the normal times, yeah. even though they're like they think. Yeah. I think the big one is probably like holidays and weekends where like we're not gonna be there, we're not gonna be open on Sundays, or yeah. we're not gonna be open during the holidays. Again, we're gonna be traveling for a week. I think that's where it really helps us and our facility. So I don't know how much I because I don't know anyone who's done it, I don't know how much cross transfer yeah. there's really gonna be. Because like you said, like the diehards will pay for whatever yeah. for the, the service, but this 63%, I don't know how many of them are actually going to transfer over to the, the higher price point. Yeah, um, But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anybody who does it like that, or maybe there are people who do it, but not people within our, I guess, yeah. sphere, like the the functional training model, yeah. 24-7 fitness model. I've not, um, not seen that. I know there are CrossFit gyms that Uh, They have classes, and then what they do is they have open gym the rest of the day when they're not. So, for example, if you had classes between 5 and 10, you could go to the open gym model, but you wouldn't be there. You would just have them. They would just come and scan in between 10 and 3, and they could do open gym, but then the classes start again, and then you can't come to open gym. You have to join the class. So you could look at it. There's a bunch of people who do that, but I don't know anybody who has – Kind of broke them in apart. Yeah. Um. And but also have them in the same space.
0: So, so that allows you to be like, listen. If this person hasn't gone through our onboarding and isn't going to be there with a coach, I can keep them out of a potentially hazardous place mm-hmm. and keep them in a safer place. Um. And I think the thing whenever people hear twenty four hour gym, the first thing they go to is like, oh, the person someone's going to be in their bench pressing at two thirty in the morning. Yeah. But I think the twenty four hour gym consumer. When it's when they do utilize it, it's like they want to come at five and you don't open till six or they want to work out at eight, but you close at nine. Yeah. Right. And exactly so they just want that extra hour typically or an extra two hours on either. end. They're not like, oh, I'm a big four a uh, 3 a.m. workout <laughs> yeah. guy. I like big, to bench at big three
1: midnight guy. Yeah. yeah.
0: Unless they're a shift worker, which is going to be a lot of those people probably aren't going to come. Oh, work it's, out. it's such a small percentage. Yeah. Of but it's lifting. we always think to the extreme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We
1: always yeah, we think, yeah, there's going to be an entire power lifting crew coming in at 1 a.m. Yeah uh, going ham on your equipment and you're going to have to like watch your phone, yeah. to make sure they're not doing anything wrong. Um, but no, they said, uh, there's two people that we spoke with who own two 24 seven, uh, fitness gyms in downtown Chicago. And they said, not that many people are coming in between 8 PM and 4 AM. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's usually just that extra hour, but that means I don't have to be there. Now. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean like I'm not working or like when, you know, we're here on vacation in Boston, like, yeah, I'm going to probably have to look at my phone and, yeah. uh, say, oh, great. Somebody spilled something. I'm going to have to call somebody. Yeah. So like you still have headaches. Like, yeah. It's not like, no. set, it's not like Emerald's
0: uh, set it and forget it type thing. No matter what business you're going to have headaches. So Yo, you're going you to have headaches to buy more. into those anyways. <laughs> but, um, um,
1: yeah, so I, i think we're gonna try it uh right now at least we're looking at it yeah. so
0: and i even think of this before when we were talking about this off the air was that um when i was in hong kong one of the gyms that i taught at was a 24-hour gym hmm. and it was very training focused gym it had turf right? i mean it had all it looked like half of it was strength conditioning and half of it was like pretty much normal gym but it was all yeah. open to everybody and to get in before they went they had to get my face because you went up to a face scanner oh, face scanner, and then yeah. you went up and because they also in you had to have a COVID vaccination to go in anywhere in, in Hong Kong. Still, you put up your COVID, uh, yeah, they gave you like a, uh, QR code. QR code. So you scanned your face, they approved it and you scanned your barcode and then the doors opened Okay. and then they closed like,
2: pfft. yeah.
0: So like there was no, you're not sliding in. Right. They like shut like one person at a time. And then I was, third, I was like, oh wow. I mean, it, the technology is there now. Yeah. You can get really f- sophisticated. Like yeah. I looked at those
1: they call it a vestibule. And nice I've looked word. at uh, drink. Yeah, I've, I've drinked the best of you all.
0: Yep, yeah, cheers. you're only hanging on camera.
1: Um, I looked at turnstiles. Uh, I talked to everybody about what they, they call it tailgating. Yep. So essentially like I'm waiting for you to check in so I can run in behind you. Yeah. The door's still open. And they said, it's not that big of a problem. Like, yep. yeah, there's always going to be yeah. 10% of your people. So if you got, you got 500 members.
0: 50 of them are probably going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's the same thing with us. It's the same thing with the, yeah. With, with, with the a non-24-hour gym. With a non-24-hour gym. We have, gym, so. I think about, it, we have 500 members. We probably have 10 that try to slide into a fourth day <laughs> yeah. without, uh, without signing up for a class. Yeah. Or they say, hey, I want to make up this one, even though they don't have a makeup in the bank. <laughs> it's the same. So you said like, You're just going to trade one set of problems for another. You're just going to have problems if you own a business. And so it's going to cost you money. And one thing I always think of is like, whenever we're thinking about doing something, I'm like, there is going to be problems with whatever we do. There's not going to be anything we do where there's like, there's no problems. And so uh, you have to think like, are these problems worth it? Not like, hey, is, is there going to be a problem? Because there is going to be an issue. Always, always. And so if you're like, well, I'm willing to deal with that and that the people you've talked to, the good thing you said is you hired mentors,
2: people yeah, no, who have I, been
0: through it. And they can be like, listen, it's not that big of a deal. Whereas when you haven't done it, you think it's something that's like going to be terrible to deal with. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, so like, yeah, we just, we email people and we say, hey, we, yeah. we like what you're doing. Uh, we'll I always say we'll pay you a hundred dollars an hour for your time, or I we say how much is your time an hour of your time worth? Yeah, we'll pay whatever it is. Yeah. Um, just send them a Venmo after we talk for however long it takes, and yeah, we and then. We've done that a few times now.
0: So. Yeah, if you're listening, uh, one of the most valuable things you can do I at mean, any time we've tried to do anything new with the gym or with the certification, it's always like, all right, who can we reach out to to talk to and pay for the time? Because like you say, you pay $100, $200 for an hour through their time. Yeah. But what you get back is typically worth okay. way more, way more. Way more. Um, and so I would definitely recommend uh, that.
1: Yeah. and the funny part too is like a lot of people are like, Oh, like I'm not going to reach out to this person or I'm not going to this person. Cause they'll never get yeah. back to me or whatever. I, I've, I've messaged so many people early <laughs> in my career who had no idea who I was or yeah. what I did or what I, I just sent an email and magically they get back to me. Like, yeah. So that's how I, for example, got Kelly Strett to come speak at Mike Boyle strength and conditioning. I always tell this story. Um, is I just sent him an email and I said, Hey, Kelly, I see that you're speaking, you're doing a, a speaking gig uh, in North Boston somewhere. Yeah. Um. And I said, Hey, would you come to the gym and just like spend an hour with us yeah. and teach us some things? And somehow he got back to me. No yeah. idea who. I am, I'm 22 years old. I've been mm-hmm. at Boyle's for one year. And he goes, oh yeah, sure, I'll come by. And he came by and gave us one of the best presentations we've and ever And it was more than hours. Like, two and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then he invited us to the seminar for free. Yeah, we so the three of us got to go to the weekend seminar yep. for free. And then five years later, I end up in California. And there's only two people I know. There's Charlie Reed, who... Great trainer, good friend, ends up being the best. Uh, the 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 justice, officiant. Of, the justice of the peace, yes. the officiant yeah. of my wedding. Right, so I only knew Charlie Reed, and I only knew Kelly Starette, and yeah. I messaged both of them. I slept uh, in Charlie Reed's apartment for <laughs> for a uh, week yeah. in the middle of his uh, studio yeah. in San Francisco. Um, and then he got me a job at a gym and then Kelly Sheret had me over th- for Thanksgiving dinner. And I did a Thanksgiving dinner workout and he gave me a year's free membership to San Francisco CrossFit. Yeah. Only two people I knew. And I just sent Charlie a text and I sent Kelly an email and it can be as simple as that. Like it doesn't have to be, uh, you just go in with grace and say, Hey, can I, I value your time. I will pay
0: for your time. Uh, and pretty amazing things happen. The power of reaching out. The power of reaching out. It's pretty amazing. You'd be surprised. Most people are pretty nice. Yeah. Well. All right. Let's... I'm glad we got that update. That was good. A... We're both we're on the same pace right now. Well, this, this is, is good.
1: yeah. But, well, it was funny. I thought I had nothing to share or talk about, but
0: I knew if we pulled the cord, you'd get going. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, we got a plenty we can talk about. Um, I know one thing we were chatting about before this, and it's been a hot topic both in NBSC, but pretty much. The darling of the internet as of right now is uh, like zone two. Are you watching how nicely I'm pouring this beer? It's a, yeah, this is it's, just, yeah, it's right. a pretty poor. Yeah, has been zone two training. Um, so for those of you who might not be familiar with terminology, as it can be confusing, um, zone two essentially being the idea of low-intensity uh, aerobic work or cardiac output-based work, so work that's done underneath a 75% Heart rate, max 70, 75% of your max heart rate, done for an extended period of time, so like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, with the idea of improving cardiac output. So your ability, the amount of blood you can deliver with each pump, the amount of your overall orbit capacity, so how long you can work for. So intensity is not the priority, but duration and continuity of your effort over a long period of time is the idea and so it's building a bigger gas tank yes building a bigger gas tank and you know what you often hear people say uh the very physiological focused uh coaches and practitioners will say like it improves your ability to deliver blood with each pump you get more oxygen and more blood delivery it improves your mitochondria and so a bunch of benefits for performance and mainly for health and longevity um, when you think when you're talking about things like cardiovascular health, diabetes, management of blood sugar, all of these things, um, lots of benefit there. And so there's been a lot of discussion, you know, the pendulum, as it always swings in fitness back and forth from, hey, you know, back in the 70s was the aerobic boom. They didn't call it cardiac output then. They just called it jogging. Um, <laughs> and everybody did so it. jogging everybody yeah, jogging, jogging zone two well, just go yeah right Jog, jogging Jog, for a long period of time is zone two riding there nine for a long period of time is zone two hiking right? at a steep incline yeah as long as you're do. not like can you have a conversation generally for a long period of time while you do that mm-hmm. right if you're breathless and your heart's up in your throat you're right. probably going too hard right the biggest challenge most people have when they're doing this is that they their intensity gets too high mm-hmm. right then the issue is never that they're not working that <laughs> they're, working too, they're slow. working too slow um but and so the pendulum, it's, again, it's just the same thing renamed, right? Yeah. Um, and then for a while, it was only intervals, only Tabatas, right? Mm-hmm. And now I think we're coming back. Maybe we're getting a little swing back to the other side, and maybe we're going to come back to the center where we say, hey, both of these things are good. Yeah. you um, can see where this conversation is probably going to go um, in their own context yeah. um, because like, you hear a lot of sports-focused people, sports performance coaches saying, hey, you need – the bigger gas tank, bigger gas tank yeah. so you can recover in between bouts of high-intensity work, right? So if I'm a hockey player and I skate a shift for 45 seconds really, really hard, mm-hmm. that zone two is going to help me while I'm sitting on the bench right. to recover, okay. um, deliver all uh, the blood and oxygen, help me recover between those high-intensity bouts yeah. um, before I go back out and work again and maintain that effort over the length of a game. Right. All three periods of a hockey game,
2: okay.
0: um, where you hear the health and longevity people say, "Hey, it's really going to help you manage your blood sugar. It's going to help reduce your cardiovascular risk." Um, and so, I think there can be some sort of back and forth. Is like, is there as much value? Do you think in sports performance for zone two work as there is in um, longevity and health? Like, is is it the same? Is it just as valuable in both contexts, or should mm-hmm. we think about? the individual sport and the individual, um, you know, general population client and what do they need?
1: So when I, <clears throat> everything I've heard about it, I've thought about this a bunch now over the last, God, it's been a hot topic the last month. Yeah. So for the athlete specifically, if we're talking about an athlete or a sport that involves speed, you don't even get <laughs> on the ice or on the field, unless you have horsepower and you have speed. So this is where, for me, strength and power have to come first. Because mm-hmm. if you're not fast enough to play said position, you sit on the bench.
0: What? I'm raising my hand. <laughs> for those who can't see, that's me.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if you were giving me a high five or if you were saying, uh, yeah. that's you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like... For me, it's always, I, I, I think it was Dan John quoting Brett Jones, but strength is the glass, and everything else goes in the glass. Yeah. So strength and power, for me, have to be the most important when it comes to sports performance. Yeah. If, if, if you want to be on the field and not on the bench, you got to be fast, and you also got to know how to play the game and all that and be technical. But from a strength and conditioning standpoint, you have to have strength and power. Now, I find it very rare that the size of somebody's gas tank or their aerobic capacity is what's keeping them from being on the field. Yeah. I find it a problem keeping you on the field for all four quarters or all two halves, right? so. LeBron James Sage can jump 44 inches at the beginning of the game, but by the end of the game, he can only jump 20 because he's so tired. Well, he's pretty useless uh, the yeah. second half of the game. Yeah, but the first half of the game, so you got to be able. Like, I would rather him jump 40 inches the whole game.
0: Yeah,
1: right. So that would be like, but if he if he can only jump 20 inches, he's not LeBron James. He's not LeBron James, <laughs> and he's not playing yeah. professional basketball. Yeah, right. So for me this is where like I would rather spend most of my time. And if I'm thinking of a long-term athletic development model Mm
2: -hmm.
1: with a younger athlete, the hardest thing to do is to build and maintain type two muscle fibers. Yeah. And I don't know, you probably know the research better than uh, you definitely know the research better than I do, but you can change different fibers to be more type two specifically at a younger age this is why you see kids who do gym- gymnastics yep. have a very springy step even as they age yeah which kids who didn't have gymnastics might not have Yep. right because they know how to draw power and a lot of those fibers at a very young age switched to type 2 as opposed to staying is it type 2a yeah or going to type 1 yeah which are going to be more of your your, yeah, your zone two type muscle fibers.
0: Yeah, the long-term right? athletic development, people say it's really important to prioritize speed and power during that peak height velocity. Okay. That time when you see these kids growing, changing their height as fast as possible. So for girls, it's probably a little earlier, right? Yeah, they tend to, mature to 13. More physically. 14, yeah. Boys, it's probably more 13, 13 to 16, 17, 16, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously, there's a big genetic component, Right. Right um but but you want we're always fighting genetics yes and
1: you want to get as
0: much as you can out of what you have yeah and real simple like there's a lot of couch to 5k programs yeah there's no couch to nba programs (laughs) you know like like you can train aerobic capacity um to the point where you can go run a race right right. Like if you and i want to go run the marathon we could have trained all winter and we could go run the marathon if you and i trained all winter to try to go you know you know, run um, in a 110 meter <laughs> sprint against event. Against Usain Bolt, yeah. can even, no, not even, let's not even go that far. <laughs> Like, against, like, you know, they, they have it's these top meets. Like, laughing. Steve Bigelow runs in the Valentine's Day meet every year at BU. Yeah. Okay. He doesn't train all year. I mean, he just lifts weights like maybe two days a week, and that's probably being nice Generous. to Steve at the gym. But, like, come January, he'll start doing some flying sprints. He'll start lifting, but Steve was a collegiate sprinter. He's uh, still the one ten meter record holder at UMass Amherst. Um and he is a genetically gifted individual. Um he has that, right? So okay. he can go train for a couple months and he'll he'll still he'll get to the finals every year. Okay. The B U Valentine's Day meet. You and I couldn't do that. No, right? I could. Um, he already has that. And Even so, if
1: I trained all year long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not so,
0: and and so, when you talk about you know the, the idea of like fatiguing over the course of a game, right? Right. When mm-hmm. you tend to see these guys who like, hey, they're not in game shape, is what they say. When does that happen? After an injury, right? Yeah. Especially like the, hey, you're not in basketball shape yet. Right. You know how they get in basketball shape? Play basketball. Yeah, I have a kid who I just rehabbed his ankle. Uh, I broke his ankle last year. We trained a lot in the off-season, a lot of power, a lot of rehab for his ankle. We did modest modest conditioning as he was able to start uh, running again. It was pretty mm. conservative with the doctor and PT about returning to to impact. Um, and then I said, he's like, am I going to be in shape? I said, well, now you can go to basketball practice. And we're still going to run tempos. We ran some shuttles. But my answer to him wasn't like, hey, you're going to ride a 45-minute bike ride or you're going to go out for a five-mile run. Yeah. Um, that wasn't going to get him ready for basketball because the nature of the sport is sprint really hard up and down, jump, stand around for a second, sprint really hard up and down, jump, run for a second. Same thing with hockey is like, we have all these guys who train with us all summer. They get off the ice. If if they had a great year, they get off like in June. Right. Some of these guys are done earlier than that. Right. Um, And so they lift, they take a couple months off the ice. Um, As you know, August gets close, they start to In between their four days with us, they start to go up and do power skating. They start to do skating work with a skating coach to get ready for preseason. Then they have preseason, and they said even the skating work they do with their coach four days a week doesn't get them ready for preseason. But then preseason starts to get them ready. And then even with the NHL, what do they say when you get to playoffs? It's a whole different game. The level of speed goes up. So – I still think a lot of times for sports performance, for the majority, let's say we're going to take the bell curve, 80% of people, um, replicating the demands of the game are going to get most of these athletes there.
1: For conditioning. For conditioning. conditioning Yeah, for conditioning standpoint. standpoint.
0: Um, There's going to be the rare exception of someone who maybe had an injury, who had a lot of downtime, Where hey, Um, maybe it would be beneficial that that gap of getting in game shape might be shrunken down. Yep if you do a little bit of low intensity stuff, because what they lose when they're deactivated, they're not doing anything is the mitochondria, right? The thing that changes What's really interesting about losses in strength and power versus losses in aerobic capacity is you lose your aerobic capacity much quicker. Mitochondria have a short life, right. meaning you can gain them quick and you can lose them quick, right? Strength and power. You can maintain strength and power by training a couple days a week. Right. Right. And hitting the right intensity. Right. And so, what I tell people is like, listen. If we just get a little jump start, maybe we can do a little bit. But then once you start playing, you'll get it back. Yeah. yeah. But strength and power will take a little while to gain. You can't. Right. You don't get strong and powerful it's, overnight. It's Huge. Yeah. It's much harder to make somebody strong and powerful than it is to
1: get them in shape. Yes. Yeah. For whatever it is they need to be in shape for. So really, I only see Zone Two being beneficial for sports performance, like you said, in the rehab. Yeah. Or like post game, like whatever flush, or like you just need to get moving. Yeah. Other than that, again, it becomes time dependent too. Like, if I have 10 hours a week with you, and that's all we have is we have 10 hours a week to train because the other 10 hours or 15 hours you play your sport, I'm going to spend it making you move well and getting you stronger and faster. Yeah. I'm not going to have you get on the bike for five hours out of the 10 and only have t- five hours of tra- strength training. Yeah.
0: And 10 hours easy. is pretty generous. 10 hours
1: is generous. I know. The reality, I want to use round numbers. The it's reality
0: of like most team <laughs> sports is you have three hours a week. In reality. Right? Like if you think if we were I'm thinking off-season, If we were like an that. NHL hockey team, mm-hmm. in reality they get, probably get two or three lifts a week.
1: That like might, not even, you you
0: might not even lifts. be an hour. And they're 45 minutes. Right? right. So when you do your zone two. <laughs> right. In the ice because a lot of the numbers you hear if you read like a lot of textbooks or you hear people talk about they're like oh you know 175 minutes a week would be the minimum um maybe 300 uh, minutes a week would be better and i'm like yeah. that that doesn't work for a team sport athlete also when you hear us talk about athletes we're talking about mixed modal multi, uh variable sports field sports basketball baseball football soccer things where they're going to sprint they're going to be down uh, they're going to jog. They're going to sprint. They're going to change directions. Right. We're not talking about endurance sports. Obviously, endurance sports in and of themselves are zone two, zone three dependent. They're zone two sports, right? Yes. And where they're going to be living in cardiovascular work. So if you're cycling, that's different. If you're running, that's different. But the majority of people training athletes are training the big five, like the big sports, right? Sports, yeah. And so uh, your time to dedicate to those things because they're getting a lot of cardiovascular work just in practice. They're getting that that those 175 minutes a week are coming with their coach who's doing no strength and power, and, and in all likelihood doesn't they don't actually value the strength and power like we do, right? right. The traditional coach is like, "Oh, go run five miles and then come back." And I, for uh, for instance, I have a kid who's a, a a college pitcher, and like the coach's idea of strength and conditioning is like, "Go run five miles every day after practice." Not sure that makes him a better pitcher, yeah. right? In a in a position in a sport where again, you, you're explosive and then rest for a minute, and you, then go again. You've built a bigger gas tank, but you've you've done it at the
1: expense of horsepower. Yeah. And uh, in baseball, and well, in a lot of these sports, right? Like horsepower and velocity wins. <laughs> yeah. Like, do you want a guy who throws eighty nine, or you want a guy who throws one hundred and one? Yeah. Right? Like, so I'm going to take one-on-one all day. You can day. throw
0: 89 for nine innings, you're going to get shelled.
1: <laughs> you're going to get shelled. Yeah. Unless you're Greg Maddox. Uh, he's, he's an anomaly. The but, exception. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's just the dedication that it takes to do it. And when you rob Peter to pay Paul, like somebody loses mm-hmm. and I don't want to lose when it comes to athletics, I don't want to lose strength and power in order to try to build a bigger gas tank. I would much rather build a bigger gas tank later. Or, like, the gas tank only has to be so big, right? Yeah. Like if you're playing, whatever, three periods and it's 60 minutes long, like, your gas tank only has to be big enough. Yeah. Having it be bigger is not better. Now, when we switch this conversation over to longevity, yeah, and the average person or general population, maybe it's different. Yeah. right a bigger gas tank means more years in your life or more heartbeats yeah that
0: you get so I don't know I do we want to switch or do you have anything else to say about switch? yeah no the gas tank idea is like think about like racing in cars like theoretically they could put bigger gas tanks in but the cars would be slower right. uh, because the weight of the, the gas yeah right are you willing to take that pit stop? <laughs> right that rest period that that shift change yeah so that person can go back out there on the ice right like no one watches sports center for the guy with the best endurance <laughs> in a hockey game or the best endurance nba game you watch because you want to see top five you want to see people get dunked up, right right yeah that's what that's what people tune in sports for so from a sports performance standpoint I think, like you said, strength and power has to be the priority. And then even like
1: even we didn't talk much about
0: it, but even interval
1: training, I'm going to do interval training because it's more like the sport. Yeah. Then I'm going to spend I got 10 minutes for conditioning. We're doing intervals. We're not doing a slow ride unless we said you're coming back from injury or, you know, you're beat the shit from playing 10 games and you just need to flush it out. Yeah. For the most part, if we're talking off season, we're going intervals.
0: Yeah, and what's interesting if I got ten minutes is when you talk about aerobic capacity, there's a ton of research. Like Dan Baker, his group has done a ton of research okay. on the impact of they did all Tabata style intervals, right? Okay. And so when people say Tabatas, and they weren't even true Tabatas, like the actual Tabata research was done in about 170%.
1: Um, For 20 seconds on, 10 seconds yeah, off. Not, yeah. not
0: 20 seconds on. 170% of VO2 max. So, most yes. people, no one listening to this, unless you are like a competitive cyclist, has will ever, ever sprinted that <laughs> intensity. Um, but what they were doing, he did at 110% or 120% to based on whether it was uh, 10 on, 20 off was done at 120%. Mm-hmm.
2: 20
0: on, 10 off was done at 110%, right? And what they found is they were able to maximize VO2 max in aerobic capacity while still doing Tabata-based work. Mm-hmm. And so if you do... Uh, eight, as they did in the research, eight rounds of 20 on, 10 off. That's four minutes of work. Mm-hmm. And they're able to maximize the aerobic capacity. When you say it's enough, enough, that's probably enough for the sport. Yeah. Without dedicating a lot of time. We do uh, two rounds of that. So you end up doing uh, 16 sprints. Mm-hmm. It takes eight minutes. Right. Right. As opposed mm-hmm. to, hey, get on this bike for 45 minutes and ride. Yeah. And so At for the athletes. Rate. For the athletes that's probably enough right Right. then when we switch the conversation to uh, general population that's when the priorities change and it becomes a good example of like what's good for an athlete not necessarily is what's good for an adult client who's just trying to be healthier trying to reduce their cardiovascular risk trying to lose some weight Mm -hmm. their priorities are going to be different
1: When, when you get
0: competitive
1: when when you put a competition in between things, you're willing to give up certain things in your life or certain capacities or certain health. Yeah. Sports aren't healthy. No, have- they're not. So I'm willing to give up some of my health in order to win the gold. In order to – I'm willing to give up some of my social life in order to do XYZ, mm-hmm. to, to win this medal, to win this game, to – like. I played football my whole life. You played football your whole life. Like you, you are at risk of a brain injury in order to compete in this game. Like nothing about getting hit in the head by a helmet is healthy yes. like, at all. Yeah, There's zero health Yeah, <laughs> at all in that sport, but you're willing to do it. You're willing to sacrifice that. Now, when I'm, um, I mean, we're technically both general population. Uh, I'm a general so, population. So client. I am a general population client. When I'm looking at my longevity and yeah. I'm no longer competing in anything other than can I live healthy for as many years as possible. Yeah. I'm not willing to give up my health to do stupid shit. Yeah. Like run into other people with a helmet anymore <laughs> yeah. and give myself a concussion. Right? Yeah. So – that's where I might now be willing to get on a bike for 45 minutes. Or I like to think that when we walk the dog, I do the ruck thing. I yeah. wear the, we got a 25 pound um, bag and a 45 pound bag. When I wear the 45 pound bag, I'm in zone two. Oh, yeah. When I wear the 25 pound bag, I don't really
0: reach zone yeah. two, but I just bring the dog for the walk. Yeah, I put a weight vest on with the dog. Right. And so, what is good training? It was sports is measured in sporting outcomes, how the athlete feels, right. how the athlete performs. What is good training with the general population outcome is whether it's body comp, whether it's blood lipid numbers, whether it's cardiovascular uh, measurements or disability years. or disability years. That's good training. And so zone two work in those contexts can provide really good outcomes. We know we yeah. can significantly change their blood pressure. Mm-hmm. We can change their resting blood glucose. We can change their uh, cardiovascular risk um by adding those things in and these people likely aren't doing anything
1: outside don't have
0: practice they don't have
1: practice (laughs) they don't have three hours of practice they don't have yeah yeah, the the
0: amount of people who come to us and the only exercise they do is the two or three days a week so if you can be like hey if you can go for a walk or if i can add in like one thing we've been doing one day a week is mm-hmm. being like the condition at the end today is 20 minutes steady state mm-hmm. a lot of people wouldn't even consider that zone too though like, you got to do 45 minutes right well they're not gonna do 45 minutes <laughs> yeah, so right. i had when i said 20 minutes they're like oh shit and we even carved out like 10 minutes at the end of the workout so it really cost like a bonus of 10 to them <laughs> and i, I know a lot of people ain't running out to work when they leave here i know yeah. the type of life they live yeah They're like, oh, 20 minutes. I'm like, put on a podcast. I don't care. Put on Netflix on your phone. Yeah. But if you have a heart rate monitor on, I say, just keep it like 65%. Yeah. And do that. I don't even care if it's that. When they start, just do it for 20 minutes. I don't care if it's 50%. Right. Just the battle with a lot of these is you have a lot of these practitioners talking about it on the internet who don't actually coach people. I'm like, you're going to go tell, you know, the guy, the 65-year-old guy in my adult group in the morning who is hung over half time. He comes in that he has to do 300 minutes a week of zone two. two. You know what he's going to tell you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's going (laughs) to, I'm taking my services elsewhere. Yeah. So I'm like, Hey, what I, what you have to work with that person and say, why don't you give me 20 minutes today at whatever pace you can manage. And then we're going to work from there. And then maybe he'll get to 20 minutes at the percentage you want. And then maybe he'll start to adopt something outside of there. Right. And that's when you can start to get a lot of benefits and actually have a really good, I was going to post this today. I'll post it tomorrow is I have a guy I've been working with for a long time, right? And he's single. He's 60 years old. He okay. divorced, lives by himself, workaholic, works all the time. Okay. And he was only coming to me one day a week. And when he first started to come to see me, he was doing nothing at all, seeing me one day a week. Every time he'd come in, he'd kind of moan and groan. He'd want to end the session early. I knew he didn't necessarily enjoy it, but he was doing it because he knew he needed to do it. Really out of shape. Okay. I started talking about step counts early on, was not interested, didn't care, didn't want to talk about it. I said, okay, let's just focus on getting you to come one hour a week. That's it. Pretty low yeah, bar. Yeah. Most people are. one hour a week doesn't do anything. It, it does a little bit. It does a little bit. It what it really, really does, do much, but it does is a build a bit. habit. That's right. So we we got uh, for about two and a half years, we got consistent one day a week to the point where he went from like not really wanting to be there to enjoying it. Okay. Part of it was our relationship kept getting yeah, better. Yeah. But he started to see the value his body changed. He felt better. Then he goes, I think I'll start doing some walking. Okay. And initially he had a dog. Dog has since passed. Rest in peace. Um, But then he started to walk. And he started to track on his phone. You know how many steps he did the first year? On average. We looked at his one year average. One year. Uh,
1: Hold on. Let me guess.
0: This is before the dog. This is initially with the dog.
1: Okay. And then he started
0: walking. He started walking then. And so before, so 6,000, 3,300 steps. steps He averaged a day, 3,300 work from home. So there's a lot of people now, listen, a lot of people work from home. So the, the walking for that person, if they're a single individual in their sixties, they probably don't have a big social life. They're not going out. They're not going to do a lot of things, right? 3,300 a day. And most, most people would be like that's So it's not great by the statistics, but he, I don't know what he was doing before he was tracking. Probably less. True, probably less before. Right? right? His, I didn't live in a big house. Yeah. Okay. Next year, you know what he did?
1: 9,000.
0: No. What? 4,500. Oh, okay. But that's a year. That's a year's worth of data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 3,300 yeah. 4,500. So he got better. Yeah, yeah. Because we kept talking about it. You know what he did last year? Now 9,000. 6,700. Okay. <laughs> but guess what? We're trending the right way. Well, that's double from two years ago. What if I told him to do 10,000 steps a day?
2: I he wouldn't would do not, it wouldn't and so
0: the problem done. is is like you have these fitness people who have these numbers in their head where they're like you have to do this right and i said if i told him that i would have lost him he probably wouldn't train at all mm-hmm. so my question is do you actually want to help people because the way we had a conversation meet people where they're meet we did a whole episode right. on right. Episode. and so i said to so, what are you willing to that? do yeah. and You have to figure out what is that person willing to do. And think of it as a long-term project. Now he's been with me for a long period of time. And he goes, I'm going to beat this number next year. He said to me, he would have never said that shit to me like five years ago. He wouldn't, he would have been like, I don't give a shit about my steps. (laughs) steps, And uh, he really prioritizes coming in every week. And sometimes he adds an extra day and he does stuff at home. Now, when he doesn't see me, I say, I want you in between your work, get up, do 10 squats, 10 pushups. And he's like, today I did in between, I did 15 squats, 15 pushups. And so you yes. have to think about these things as like long term changes, no matter where, how old the person is, where they're on the spectrum. When he walks, do you even think he's in zone two? Sometimes. Sometimes. He says yeah. he has some trails near his house, so Sometimes I try to speed up, but I'm like, just I, do I it. I bet you, though, for the most part, he's not in zone two. But like you said, just do it. Yeah. Who gives a shit what zone you're in? Because even yeah. aside from the zone two. The biggest thing, when they have all the step count data, the yeah. 10,000 steps a day was off this Japanese study. Really, the optimal is probably around 8,500 steps a day based on the numbers. Um, it, they, they didn't track heart rate at all. They said oh, the, the okay. people, the biggest impact on health and longevity, when they looked at those people, wasn't their voluntary physical activity, so going to the gym. It was just their step count. Okay. So the biggest thing that people can do, they looked at people who were going to the gym multiple times a week but weren't getting those steps. Mm-hmm. And they looked at people who were getting those steps, but it didn't matter what they did. And those people on average had all less all cause mortality than people who went to the involuntarily and didn't move the rest of the time. So I said to him, like, if your ultimate goal is to die later yeah. than what you might already be dying at, <laughs> I guess if they're going to be very <laughs> honest, right, yeah. then you just got to get steps in throughout the day. So break up your day and go for a walk.
2: Right.
0: Right. And so now he goes for the walk. He doesn't have a dog anymore. He's like, I just know, hey, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go walk. Yeah, and then I'm gonna go back to work, and I'm gonna go walk after work, and and now for him it's a habit. But you have to get them to just start to do something. So going back to the zone two, hey, so just see if they'll ride ten minutes steady state for a while, right? And then maybe they build a habit where they're like, oh, I'm gonna go walk with a backpack on. Yeah. That's a pretty rare behavior. Like I have yeah, one guy no, who's a huge a, yeah. diehard. He's a big uh, one of my clients. A big Peter Atia guy. It's actually yeah. it's his doctor. It's his wow. personal position.
2: Okay.
0: When he gets done training with me, he lives in the city, lives in downtown Boston. He gets done training with me. He's like, I'm going to go walk the dogs. He puts on a 50-pound ruck with two dogs and walks down frigging tr- uh, Boylston Street <laughs> and uh, and like does laps for like yeah. 45 minutes. No one is going to do this. This guy well, is yeah. a diehard. So this goes back to
1: what I brought up originally, like when you talked about diehards, yeah. right? Diehards are a small percentage you're trying to help the 63 percent, yeah. That so, like, the diehards are gonna do the zone two. The he die- knew
0: about Peter Atia before me, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but that's the thing, is like I zone two training is probably like a phase three type, yeah, individual. Like, you don't, you're not doing it with anybody who only comes in twice a week, yeah, you're not doing it with anybody who's not interested, yeah. Like, you have to be very, very serious about fitness to yeah. even try zone two training because it is so boring yeah (laughs) so but again like that's where we're talking about this like this pendulum swinging right like the the diehard interval people and the diehard zone two people like the answer probably lies somewhere in the middle you should probably do a little bit of both yeah but it's all context dependent because like if you're not if you don't have enough time to train that's yeah. going to dictate which version we do or yeah. what type of conditioning we do if you don't want to do it yeah. then i'm not going to force you to do it or make you sit on the bike for 45 minutes so mm-hmm. we're going to just do 4 minutes of interval training because yeah. that's what you'll actually do yeah and i'm not going to or maybe you will go for a walk yeah. but you're not going to ride the bike for 45 minutes yeah so this is again like there's it's so context dependent the answer is probably do a little bit of both. I think again, we talked about athletes. The answer is probably do more interval stuff, and they'll get a lot of the zone two during practice, yeah. like drills. And like when you practice, I mean, everybody at everybody's practiced before. When you practice for two and a half hours, you're not going all out no. for the whole two and a half hours. Like you no. do that at the game, but during practice, I would guess most of it, it lives between zone one and three. Yeah, and you're only doing. Um, the high level interval stuff when you're going all out in a drill. Yeah. But I mean, what you do
0: two or three drills of practice. So yeah. maybe 20 it's A lot of standing around. There's a lot of standing around. Yeah. Well, it's like when they look at the soccer practice. data, they're like, you know, who spends the most time standing or walking in all of the world cup? Messi. Yeah. He spends the most time just standing still or walking of any player, but, but he, he can
1: get to the ball before anybody else. And then beat you with the ball at his feet. That's why he's the best in the world. Exactly. It be, not because he has the biggest gas tank. It's because he's got the most horsepower and he has just a big enough gas tank yeah. to make the whole game and
0: keep his horsepower high. Look at that. That's so, a good way to end that. That's so, a great so, way And to this try. segues into, I want to talk about something we're doing at the gym that kind of actually comes off oh, of that. Oh, yeah, the MyZone, yeah. Yeah, so we're doing a MyZone challenge. We've had MyZone since probably 2017 at the gym, maybe longer than that.
1: Probably longer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Actually longer than that. Um, yeah. and we have a lot of members who have signed up. I, I talked to them and say we have over 400 people who've gotten a MyZone through us. We've never done a challenge ever. Mm-hmm. Four, and she six, was actually amazed. Five, she said, six years. she yeah. said, how have you never done a challenge? You have this many people, but we just started always say, Hey, this is a really good way to look at your heart rate. And even still a lot of our clients in this time, like even the ones that have it don't really like they're like oh yeah it's like that's my heart rate on the screen they don't even know that there's an app yeah on that's the phone. fine they cool. we were educating them this week a lot of them don't even know that there's an app on the phone that they can look at it when they're not at the gym they're like oh i just thought it worked here on the screen and they don't <laughs> even know what the other two numbers mean the percentage or the maps or whatever
2: yeah
0: but our big thing is if you're going to get people to do zone 2 they need to even know what the zone is they don't yeah. know what that means. What and if I say, okay, if they don't have a heart rate monitor, I say six, 60 to 75% of your max, they're like, well, how do I know that? And I say, well, can you have a conversation? So one we said is like, well, let's try to prioritize people just understanding their heart should be a something they should know. So oh, we yeah. figured a, a six week challenge where we just say, Hey, we're going to give prizes to the top three people who have the most maps, which are, this just a, a number that they have. My zone exercise points when you're in these different percentage zones, like, 60 to 70%, 70 to 80 80 to 90 you accumulate more points for the time you're on the zone. Whatever. It's a made-up metric, but it works. It's a metric. I mean, and yeah, so yeah, it motivates them to do things on their own and to work when they are come to the gym and come to more classes, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and it's been great because just in the last few days from doing it, we've had a bunch of people come to and be like, oh, I want to buy one. And we've had people who already have them become educated on – you know, oh, my God, I can do it on my phone. It means I can wear this when I play tennis. I can go for walks mm, uh, and, yeah. and things like that. So it gets them to think. But the first part is getting just getting them to educate because they have no idea what any of this means. I think, again, a lot of these people, we hear people talk on podcasts and blogs and seminars, and you realize it's so far removed yeah. from what the average person you work with knows or understands Right. that I'm like, this is a heart rate monitor that you put on your chest um and then this is that those are the amount of beats per minute like well what's a good amount of beats per minute i'm like well it's not what's good it's like right, this is this, normal uh, this is what's a good resting heart rate let's talk about that yeah okay uh, where should i be working when i'm here let's go over that um what is the percentage what is that based off hey this is probably what your max might be uh estimated and just getting them to figure out those things Makes them one feel like wow well, these people really care about me so they like the gym more that's a big positive mm-hmm. obviously um, but it also makes them a little bit more tune in their tune into their health to a point where maybe they take an extra walk a few times a week or they say hey I'm gonna hop on the airdyne bike when I'm done and ride for 20 minutes because this seems to be important just those little steps I think makes a big difference
1: right I, I mean if we wanted our clients to listen to this podcast we wouldn't call it uh, zone two cardio yeah. we call it Learn about your heart. Yeah, think, exactly. Oh, yeah, I want to know about that. Yeah. But the second I say, oh, I, let's talk about zone two training. Like, yeah. What the hell is that? Yeah. But when I say, let's talk about your heart. Oh, man, they're all in. Yeah. <laughs> let's <laughs> talk about your heart. Um, yeah, no, that's awesome. I I am surprised it took you that long to do a challenge. But yeah, just like anything else, like, not that it got pushed to the side. It was the right idea. It's just there's so many other things fighting yeah. for everybody's time. But it is the right time to go yeah. with a challenge and it'll be very interesting to see like you said it's not even about who wins
0: the the map challenge it's just can you educate people more like, and well, what you learn is that they don't care about the prizes at all no. people are just competitive it's like with my zone for me i'm just like i need to get my maps every month or i'm gonna lose my silly status <laughs> like i'm at gold i'm gold at gold status, status. i'm trying <laughs> to get to platinum i gotta do two more months <laughs> with 1300 maps it, and I'm like, oh, shit! I gotta make sure I get. Okay. So to Whatever me, really, going. when I travel, I'm like, oh, I gotta bring my my zone because yeah. if I'm gone for ten days, like I was a couple weeks ago, you gotta get your mess. I'm like, that's ten days I'm behind, right? <laughs> and so everybody naturally is can has a little bit of that in them, some more than others, yeah. And so the clients are talking I'm like, oh, I gotta get my mess in to see. <laughs> even just they don't care about winning; they just want to beat the friend, right? So,
1: but they didn't even know what they were a few weeks ago. So the fact yeah. you even got them talking about it.
0: Yeah, is huge yeah all right well we're coming down to book recommendation time brendan yeah
1: 58 minutes we're right on time here
0: so um we got let's see i'll you know it's the first time i've had to go to my phone usually usually i pull one out from behind me but i've been listening to this on audio so uh i'll bring up my audible so i have the author's name correct here Well, i got mine
1: so mine is the book of joe by joe madden
0: okay he was the
1: Manager for the Cubs. He always wore the glasses. Always wore the glasses. The Tampa, uh, the Tampa Bay Devil Ray, Rays. He went to the World Series with them, but lost. Yeah. And then won with the Cubs. yep uh, Who he was with someone in between there before I can't remember. Uh, but he he was a manager for in the big leagues for like twenty one years I think, and yep. then for the minor leagues for ten years before yep. that. Um, and it just goes through his whole. Uh, process his philosophy, and he's a. They call him a player. He's a
0: big players coach. He's guy, a big right? players yeah. coach.
1: Um, and getting to know your players first before you ever coach them.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and so, and then he just goes through his his biggest mistakes, uh, things that uh, he did wrong as a as a minor league manager, as a big league manager, and how he learned from them. It's just a really good story about uh, coaching but also about relationships. So the book of Joe by Joe Madden was one of my favorite, like Mm. coaching reads last year. Nice. I'll add it to the list. Add it to the list. Does he read it himself? That's a good question. I don't, I believe he reads the intro in the
0: first chapter and then not after. Okay. Um, So I've been reading how to raise kids who aren't assholes. (laughs) As you know, we have a six month old daughter and I have an eight year old. Yeah, So that is a priority of ours here. At the car house, and this is by Melinda Wenner Moyer. Um, and it's so there you go. I just want to see the
1: cover. So, yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. I'll send you. Actually, I actually have the hard copy up there too. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, because I've been reading and then listening a little bit. When I'm home, I'll read a little bit. Then in the car, I just flip it on. Awesome. And so it's really good because I always said, like, to people who have been asking about it, if you change the name to how to manage employees who aren't assholes (laughs) or how to not manage like an asshole or how
1: to not manage, because
0: a lot of it is your behavior, obviously. Um, I, it was, it's very, very good. Um, And it takes kind of that in between. I think a lot of people talk about like modern parenting, like kids can't do anything wrong, which I think there's a lot of people do that wrong. Like, Oh, like everything is like, let's handle these kids with gloves. And they take that approach along with like also explaining consequences in reality, because I think, you don't. Some people, are, no, you're a hard parent. Well, that's kind of it also doesn't work. You drive them away. Yeah, right? or you raise people who are assholes. Right. Right. <laughs> um, or that. Yeah, and so I think it, it does a good job of explaining what the science says, and then in a real practical sense, this woman talking about raising her own kids. Like, listen, that doesn't mean I'm always like a good parent, okay. right? Like, and that's the re- real conversation that she gives an example of, like her own situation or her friends or family situation about raising kids, and then how you like have to. Realize that like a seven-year-old kid doesn't have a frontal lobe. So like they're going to act out. and So you have to be able to say like, I understand that might make you feel that way, but this is the reality. of This situation, how to have a conversation. But you could have a client or you could have an employee who acts out. Their their frontal lobe shuts down. Yeah, maybe it wasn't fully developed in the first (laughs) place. Okay. And you have to have a conversation with them and say like, hey, I understand you're upset about this. Um, but this is how we're going to manage the situation. This is how I'm going to manage the situation and how to have a conversation. And it has like, it's very well-organized and very honest um, in how they put it together. So um, like I said, I've been reading the hard copy and then I'll also listen in the car because it's one that I just kind of listen to easily. Um, so I'll essentially probably get through it twice, I think, in the process, which is good so, because I'll- So
1: Kendall be one?
0: Yeah, it can, can be two can or three two by, or by the three time by I finish. Time. <laughs> so maybe I'll figure it out. Um, And they'll probably have to reread it. And (laughs) you're going to still make mistakes. That's another thing. You'll still make mistakes, but there's things to think about. And so it's been really enjoyable because some parenting books I think to be really dry and boring and also kind of preachy. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel that way. When I listen to this, I don't feel like okay. she's like lecturing me or preaching to me about like yeah. uh, how to be a parent. She's how just to talking. Per- to it.
1: oh, Honest, it's a, it's the how to be a perfect parent that stuff. doesn't that's, exist No,
0: That's that gets old. Um, so it, it's been very good. Ariel and I have really enjoyed it. Like when we're in the car together, we're we'll like, "Oh, let's put it on and listen oh. to this chapter, right?" So that right. way we can go through the audio together and kind of do it. So I would recommend those. We'll put them in the show notes. Um, again, if you guys have any questions. Uh, Brennan and I will do another podcast. I'm going to record one with Pat Van Galen Ooh, um, this week. I'll, I will let you know on the time. She, we're still waiting on a time for this weekend. Okay. Um, okay, So we can get her. And she's going to be our winter seminar speaker, Ooh. one of the many. So for those oh. who are listening, our NBSC, I should have said winter seminar. It's the spring seminar. Um, NBSC spring. spring seminar is April 1st and 2nd. We dis, we departed from our normal winter seminar that we do normally do in January or February for a couple of reasons. Primarily scheduling, it was difficult with all of us to get a schedule right, conflicts with other seminars. Also, weather has been a problem for the last, like, three years. <laughs> We've had a blizzard the day before, um, like, three years in a row, and, like, people can't get there. It's a pain in the ass. So I said just hopefully April 1st and 2nd won't be bad. It is I, April Fool's Day. I, I bet you there's a blizzard. Yeah, probably. In April. But our guest speakers are Jordan Syatt. Many people know Saya Fitness. Uh, Also a Boston guy originally, so good to bring him home. She's still Gary Vee's trainer? Yes, uh, and uh, social media extraordinaire, online training extraordinaire, really nice guy. He's going to be one of our guest speakers. Pat Van Galen, um, if you're familiar with MBSC, she's been a guest speaker for us a bunch. Brilliant, really, really knowledgeable about the training for longevity and aging and overall health. She's a ball of freaking energy. She's a great example of her work. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because she acts like she's, like, in her 20s. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to guess her age, but she acts like she's in her 20s. Um, and then uh, Scott Livingston. So Scott Livingston was an NHL strength coach for a long time. He's worked in professional hockey for a long time. He's a c- fellow uh, Canadian, Montrealer, um, like my wife. He actually lives in uh, uh, Mount Tremblant now, trains a bunch of professional athletes, speaks all over the world. He has an unbelievable podcast. Does he? Leave your mark. Uh, he does. He's one of the best interviewers. All right. I've already asked good questions, very thoughtful guy. I've had a few beers with him, great guy to have conversation with. Um, he's going to be one of our guest speakers as well, along with obviously we have to have Mike at the Mike Boyle, God, Mike interesting Boyle. seminar. Uh, myself, Vinny Toludo. Um, Dan McGinley, and Eric Dodario. Eric, and his first, Eric. Yeah, and so Eric, for those of you who don't know Eric Dodario, he's been a strength conditioning coach at MBSC for a while. Now. I don't know how many years, but it's a it's long time. Uh, since I left. Yes. So probably six or seven six years. Six or seven years. And um, he is um, he also does a lot of speaking around mental health. Um, he's had some personal experiences with people in his family suffering from things like addiction and mental health issues. And he travels all around the United States Speaking at high schools and universities, um, he goes to a lot of Division One colleges and speaks to teams. Coaches bring him in, talking about communication with your athletes, communications with your teammates and your family, um, and how to get over obstacles. We you know like people go through things in silence all the time, and how to have conversations and how to be an advocate for yourself or advocate for people around you. So he's going to talk about relating to your athletes and becoming like a a resource for them. And he's an electric uh, speaker, a lot yes. of energy. Um, so he'll him be real. Pa-
1: him and Patrick have. A- Battle. Yeah, yeah, an yeah, energy battle.
0: Yeah, so he'll be really, really good. So hopefully, um, you don't
1: go back to back.
0: Yeah, them. no, I yeah. spaced him out of me. <laughs> up. Um, and so that'll be April first and second, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's available in person. You can come down to BSC, spend the weekend with us. We have a social, great time there. You can also stream it live online. I know this is the most common question I get. The recordings will be available to everybody who attends or watches online. Recordings will be available afterwards as well. Uh, We have an early bird special until January 18th. So make sure you get that because the price goes up and we're not giving discounts after that. So make sure you sign up. So I hope to hear from you and see you there. If you have questions for our next episode, drop them in the comments or shoot us a DM and we will get to them on the next episode together. Bye, Al. Adios.